The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Our scripture reading comes today from Psalm 129, and I'll read it for us now. Greatly have they been afflicted for me from my youth. Let Israel now say, Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backwards. Let them be like the grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up. With which does the reaper does not fill his hand, nor does the binder of sheaves his arms. Nor do those who pass by by say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hello, Christ Presbyterian family. Uh, I realize this is quite strange, me coming to you uh, with a sermon from Statesboro, Georgia on video on Sunday morning. Uh, the reason for this unique circumstance uh, and preaching in this way is that I am uh, spending time with my mother who is in the process of dying. Uh, She has had Alzheimer's, many of you know, for uh, the good part of 10 years and she has finally uh, given in to that battle and uh, we are told that she is in the process of of going home to be with the Lord. And in fact, by the time you, you hear this message that might have already occurred, uh, so grateful for the prayers and the love that have uh, come in from those who've been aware of, of where I am and, and what's been going on. It's been a, a really wonderful time with my brother who knows the Lord, just like our mother uh, knew the Lord. And uh, we're here also uh, supporting uh, and caring for our father. And so we just appreciate your prayers and we love you. And uh, it's times like these too that I just couldn't be more grateful uh, to God to have a church family like the one that we get to be part of at Christ Pres. And so um, so thank you just for being our family and uh, for loving us so well. And I can't wait to get back and see you and to be with you. Uh, but right now I'd like to turn our attention to the 129th Psalm. It's our next Psalm of Ascent. And uh, I'd like to start with an anecdote from, uh, from the life of the late Prussian King Frederick the Great from the 18th century. Frederick the Great was an agnostic uh, slash atheist uh, who strangely uh, had a chaplain in his court. And one day he was in a discussion with his chaplain about the truthfulness of the Bible. And, and uh, he was a major doubter in the truthfulness of the Bible. And so he asked his chaplain, uh, uh, this question, uh, using these words, if your Bible is really true, it ought to be capable of very brief proof. If it is really from God, you should be able to demonstrate that fact simply. Forget long arguments. Give me proof of the Bible's inspiration in one word. And the chaplain's answer was, that one word is Israel, your majesty. Uh, According to the chaplain, There's really no explanation for the survival of Israel over the centuries except for the existence of God and the truth of the Bible uh, that was first delivered uh, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the forefathers of Israel. 
So the Old Testament scholar Derek Kidner says that most nations tend to look back on the things that they've achieved, but Israel looks back on the things that she has survived. And this this psalm points to that. Uh, and uh, you know, some of the history, uh, those of us who've uh, who've you know read the Bible might remember that some of Israel's history really, uh, under normal circumstances, would have caused them to go extinct. Uh, they were enslaved to the Egyptian pharaoh. That's the earlier chapters of the Bible. And uh, there's no way that they sh- should have survived those horrific years of oppression uh, in Egypt. And then the, the, the book of Judges and the, the, the years of the Judges, uh, we, we see Israel, this, this weak, defenseless, small nation surrounded by stronger, hostile, violent, bordering nations like Syria, Moab, Edom, uh, Ammon, and others uh, who are constantly on the attack. There's no way that Israel should have survived that. And then in the prophets, in the Old Testament prophets, we read about how the world superpowers, the violent world superpowers uh, with their scorched earth policies, Assyria and Babylon, uh, attacked Israel, took Israel into uh, captivity, made them slaves. There's no way that Israel should have survived that oppression, and yet here we are. And, uh, and since biblical time, there's been times there's been more anti-Semitism. There's been more violence toward uh, the Jewish people uh, from uh, during certain seasons, the Greeks, the Romans, European powers, and uh, most recently, perhaps the Nazi regime and, and also the anti-Semitism that still exists around the world. And, and uh, a lot like that old Timex commercial, it could be said about the people of Israel, they take a licking and they keep on ticking. And uh, the same can be said of Christians. Uh, there's really no reason why Christianity should have survived in the Roman Empire with, with the uh, Neronian persecution and uh, the fact that, that 11 of the 12 disciples uh, died as martyrs under Rome. Uh, of course, the 12th was Judas, who died uh, by hanging himself, tragically. Uh, the whole backdrop of the New Testament, uh, as it was given to us, was, was the church being persecuted by the Roman empire. And, uh, and here we are, uh, 2,000 years or so later with two and a half billion Christians uh, around the world, in addition to over 100 billion Christians who have lived uh, you know, in times past. And so what I want to do with, with Psalm 129 is, is look at the question, how do the people of God live under attack uh, and survive under attack? And uh, what does that have to do with us. And so the three points this morning from the 129th Psalm are pray your pain, keep on going, and take the long view. And so let's let's start with uh, the encouragement to pray your pain. And I, and I would add to that to be willing to pray your pain with a certain degree of anger. Uh, listen to verses one through five, just some select excerpts. Greatly have Our enemies afflicted us from our youth. Plowers plowed upon my back. They are wicked. They hate Zion. Zion's another word for the people of God or the church. Uh, May they be put to shame and turned backward. Let them be like grass that withers. Uh, This is one of the uh, 20 or more uh, imprecatory prayers that we see in the Psalms. Uh, Imprecatory prayers are when the people of God call upon God to judge punish and curse those who are judging, punishing, and cursing the people of God. Uh, Attack the people who are attacking 
your people, Lord. Attack the people who are attacking your good name. And, and uh, the question may be asked, uh, and I know a lot of us are, you know, get very uncomfortable with these kinds of prayers, especially in the Bible. Is this consistent with Jesus who said, turn the other cheek when somebody strikes you or who prayed from the cross, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do uh, or who called himself meek and humble in heart. And uh, what we can easily forget uh, as well is the, the angry side of Jesus who raged at death at Ra- Lazarus's tomb or who flipped tables over in uh, the temples. Because you, you imagine somebody having a hissy fit in church and, and, and flipping tables over because they were so steaming mad. Well, that's what Jesus did in the temple one day because of corrupted worship. Uh, he, he called people names like a brood of vipers and whitewashed tombs and sons of Satan because he was furious uh, at things like self-righteousness and things like bullying. And, and Jesus got really you know, aggressive with, with aggressive bullies uh, who were hurting and injuring uh, weaker people. Uh, so Miroslav Volf is a, is a Yale scholar, also a Christian, who writes about imprecatory prayers and imprecatory postures among God's people in his, his book called Exclusion and Embrace. And in this book, uh, he says essentially that imprecatory prayers and imprecatory postures against God's enemies, uh, it's hard to understand if your life is su- surrounded by what he calls suburban comfort. But he says, if, you, if you've grown up in a war-torn land like he did, uh, such prayers, uh, from the Psalms especially, become a source of comfort in and a validation of your pain. So, Feel free, uh, in the face of injustice, in the face of oppression, uh, not to retaliate, not to strike back, not to try to grab a pound of flesh from injuring parties, but to take it to God and to to pray that pain with with, with such an unfiltered uh, level of emotion that that you you might even find yourself saying similar things that this and 20-something other Psalms say about violent people who perpetrate violence against the people of God and violence against the name of God. People like Hitler, people like uh, you know Nebuchadnezzar's uh, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, people like um, you know Nero in in uh, in Rome. What, what what this what this tells us, what this shows us, is that Jesus is fully two things. He's fully Lamb, the gentle, humble one and fully lion, the fierce, ferocious one. Um, you know, there's a verse in Romans that says, consider the kindness and severity of God. And only God is wise enough to know what circumstances call for his kindness and what circumstances call for his severity. But um, we have to admire, and, 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 and maybe even to Volk's point, if, if we've been victims of oppression uh, and victims of violence and abuse, we might even relate to and, and, and bring ourselves to pray these kinds of honest cries to God. Take them to God. Uh, he wants us to. He invites us to. And, and use the Psalms to ensure yourself that you're actually praying godly prayers. And if you've got mixed motives in there, God can, God can work with you on that, and God will work with you on that. But even the Bible says in the Psalms and also in Ephesians, be angry uh, when it's right to be angry uh, uh, and sin not. Don't retaliate. Don't, don't strike a pound of, take a pound of flesh out of somebody. Don't, don't take God's matters into your own hands. 
put the put those matters into God's hands. So, so pray your pain, even if, if it means praying in anger. Uh, and then the second thought is to keep on going, to persevere. Uh, notice in verses one and two, it says, "Let Israel now say they have not prevailed against me." Uh, they're present tense. They're recalling a history of violence and a history of oppression. Uh, and they're also climbing a mountain right now to worship in the temple of God, knowing that there are bandits everywhere, knowing that there are wild beasts and, and wildlife that, that are carnivorous and, and would love to get them some human flesh. Uh, and, and they've survived it all together. And so they're saying, let Israel now say our enemies have not prevailed against us. We, we are still standing. We are still here. We, we've taken a licking and we keep on ticking. The, the, the resilience of Israel is, is quite a, a beautiful thing. Uh, and uh, you know, we got to witness uh, the fruit of the resil resilience of Israel over the centuries, uh, especially during our five years in New York City when we got to live at 105 West End Avenue, apartment 15E, uh, in a mostly Jewish building. And what we noticed about the, the lovely Jewish men and women and their families were two what you could call sustaining non-negotiables that they organized their entire lives and the entire rhythm of their lives around. One was their life together, uh, the community that they had with one another. Uh, you know, the most tangible picture that I have personally ever seen of Acts chapter two being lived out uh, is in this group that are not Christians. Uh, this group called New York City uh, Jews. Uh, Acts chapter 2 describes the community life that we were able to witness as we lived in that building. Uh, as they, as Acts chapter 2 says, devoted themselves to fellowship, breaking bread together and to prayer. They were all together. They had everything in common. Every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. Part of the magic of Israel's stability over the centuries has been this tight-knit, strong, deep-rooted communal connection with one another. And the second non-negotiable, the second essential piece of their survival and their flourishing is the practice of Sabbath. So New York City is widely known, especially if you've ever lived in New York, as a, a dog-eat-dog, hard-working town. There's a reason why the song says, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. That The 80-hour work week is a lot more common in New York than, than a 40 or 50-hour work week. Uh, people literally drive themselves into the ground, uh, work, 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 because that's, that's, that's in the minds of many people, the only way you can survive, the only way you can make it here, the only way you can stay here is to become a volunteer slave almost, like, like to submit to, to, to the Pharaoh or to the Nebuchadnezzar of workaholism. Uh, but, but this was not the case for the Jews in New York City. I mean, they, they for six days, worked very hard, uh, you know, our neighbors did. But, but, but all of life stopped for them, uh, except for temple life on the Sabbath. Whether it was, there was a blizzard outside, whether it was pouring rain or a thunderstorm, or if the 
the, the, the heating index was 115 degrees. Uh, and this is a pedestrian city. Nobody drives back and forth uh, really around New York. You would find Jewish men and women and their families walking back and forth to and from the temple on the Sabbath day. Every single week, they, they like we say at Christ Press, they organize their whole lives around the non-negotiable of every week worship with the people of God in uh, their you know, expression of the house of God the temple, rather than asking their worship uh, to, to, to accommodate the rest of their life, that they insisted that the rest of their life accommodated their worship together. Uh, and that's part of their survival. That's part of their, uh, the, their long-term stability and resilience is that. Uh, so this psalm in front of us, it's one of the songs of ascent. Uh, it's one of the songs that the people of Israel, the Jewish people, would send, would sing as they ascended the hill of Jerusalem to the temple uh, at risk of life and limb uh, for these two non-negotiables, community together and the worship of God in the, in, the, in the house of God together. Now, if we fast forward to the New Testament, we see that, that, that both of these dynamics are at risk, especially... Um, uh, especially as we read the book of Hebrews, Christians are at risk of going adrift from community together and from, from uh, in-person worship together. And it says so in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some are now in the habit of doing, but all the more come together and encourage one another, put courage into one another, and all the more, as you see the day of Christ approaching. Now, what was causing so many Christians in the first century to go adrift from, uh, from the worship of God together with the people of God and turning that non-negotiable, what had always been a non-negotiable, into a negotiable? Persecution. Uh, the same kind of persecution and opposition and violence that, that, that the people of Israel had been subject to for centuries before. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying is this, we should fear the loss of the experience of God's presence and of God's people more than we fear death itself. Why would he say something like that? Because of the chief purpose of our existence. Augustine, St. Augustine prayed, you've made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. The first you know, question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, what is the chief end of man? What's the chief end of human beings? The answer is, our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Now, if this is the word from God's word to Christians back in the first century facing death, it's certainly the same word, is it not, to Christians today facing lesser hindrances like rain on Sunday morning, or a pregame tailgate that we want to get to on Sunday, or kids' activities that, 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 that um, you know, worship would be an interference with, with kids' activities, or, or work that we feel we have to get done, uh, or me time, you know, fill in the blank. These, these, are all, um, these are all very American reasons for getting into the habit of not assembling together with the people of God in the worship of God. But, but the, this word worship, and I, I know there are COVID concerns, which I'll get to in a second. 
But let's talk about this word worship for a minute. Worship was conceived by the Bible as a communal, together, in-person, life-on-life, incarnational, our bodies in the same room, practicing the same liturgies, listening to the same messages and scriptures together, singing the same songs in unison. It was conceived as a communal thing by the scriptures. It literally means, this word worship, it means worth-ship. Uh, meaning that we give our time, we give our energy, we give our resources most effortlessly to the things that we deem worthy of those things. Worth-ship. Uh, and, you know, in this COVID environment, how are we to reconcile uh, both the legitimate fear of contracting a virus that has has taken many, literally taken many lives. And, and I realize that there are some listening to this sermon who know people uh, whose lives are threatened or who have lost their lives because of COVID-19. Um, and this imperative uh, from, from Hebrews 10, which, which seems to say that, that, that worshiping God is, 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 is something so essential that, that, that you ought to be even willing to risk being persecuted to get to the house of God. Or like the, the Jews who ascended the hill to the temple to risk being attacked by a bandit or by wildlife. Uh, Micah Edmondson at, at, at our, uh, one of our elder commission meetings this past Monday uh, just came up with a really wonderful insight on this, of how we can put these two things together, Sabbath keeping and, and putting a premium on safety. He said, we are bound as leaders and bound as Christians to give our careful attention to both the fourth and sixth commandments. The fourth command is about honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy, building the entire rhythm of our lives around the Lord's day and, 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 and insisting that all of the rest of our lives submit to the imperative to worship together with the people of God on the day of God, on the, ho on the weekly holiday, the weekly holy day, the Lord's day. That command and the sixth command, you shall not murder. And if, if you, if you, if you interpret uh, the sixth command, not, not only literally for what it says, don't murder somebody. I think most of us, if not all of us, are on board with that. But to, but to take it to its deeper meaning of, of the importance of preservation and protection of human life. Uh, these two must both somehow be honored during this season, which means like the people of God, in the, in the time of the singing and writing of Psalm 129, think about this. They got to the temple. They made it. How did they do that? How did they make it past the bandits and the violent wild animals? They did it together. They supported one another. They helped one another. They assisted one another to get to worship and to safety as much as was possible at the same time. And what Micah was saying is as we combine the imperatives of the fourth and sixth commandment together in, in the midst of a, a, a global pandemic, as we lean into both of these commands, which are, which are both part of God's blueprint for our flourishing, um, we figure out, we try to figure out ways to support one another and encourage one another in both. This is why Christ Pres has three options, not one. Uh, there's the at-home virtual option of worshiping 
um, you know, online, as many of you are doing right now, and I know it's not ideal, I know some of you hate it, uh, because it, it, it's a far cry from being in person with other people, I know that, I get that, but I, I want to encourage you if, if, that, that as long as you're, you're scared, as long as you are vulnerable, for those of you who are in vulnerable, high-risk COVID situations, to please, you know, continue to keep yourself safe, continue to use this resource. We're going to do the online option indefinitely, but to, 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 to dial in at the very beginning of the call to worship and to stay with it all the way to the benediction every single week. That's how you can participate in this. That's how you can honor both the fourth and sixth commandments during this time. And then there's an intermediary, op intermediary option or a bridge option for those who maybe you've started going back to work. You've started to say yes to social invitations for, you know, invitations for social gatherings. Maybe you've started to have other people in your house and you, you're around other people in other areas of life that you have deemed essential for you. Uh, and and um, you, quite haven't, you haven't quite figured out whether or not um, worship ought to be treated as essential. Well, here I am, your pastor, telling you it is essential. It's so essential that the guy who wrote Hebrews 10 said the things that he did. Uh, but, but now, for those of you who are still nervous, afraid, um, you know, legitimately skittish about going into a sanctuary, uh, we have at both our Music Row and our Old Hickory locations, outdoor options where you can literally worship through the entire service with other people, with all the social distancing and the ventilation of being outdoors. And at Old Hickory in particular, there's also a roof for shade and protection if it rains. Um, you know, it, it, it still goes on if, if it rains outside. That is there to help you and, and your group of, of you know, people and concerned parties to, to honor both the fourth and the sixth command. And also in our sanctuaries at all three of our locations, uh, we are uh, uh, asking everybody to wear masks during the singing. Even if you don't think you're putting yourself at risk uh, by not wearing a mask, take care of the concerns and cares of the other people in the room. Because remember, Christian freedom is never given to us to assert our rights to do whatever we want. Christian freedom is given to us to serve others, to use that freedom to serve and bless and calm the hearts of others in our midst, to, to, to use our freedom to love our neighbor as ourself, to, to ensure that others are not put at risk by the deep inhale and exhale of singing, uh, particularly singing, uh, and also to take care of their hearts, to take care of the hearts of those in the room who uh, maybe are a bit more fearful than, than you might be. And so uh, we don't ask uh, people to wear the masks during the entire service. Only during the singing is, is where we really strongly ask that, that if you're going to sing, to please wear a mask while you do. And you can certainly feel free to remove it at any other time because we're also observing in the sanctuaries social distancing uh, where people are at least six feet apart, which the CDC says is perfectly... Uh, safe and 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 uh, and and protective. Uh, I believe that every sanctuary of Christ Presbyterian Church on Sunday morning is among the safest rooms in the entire city of Nashville for gathering because of our strict observance. Thank you, Lee Eric Fesco and team, uh, uh, for helping us to 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 make it a, an incredibly safe environment for all three options. So. 
Um, keeping the fourth and the sixth commandment, there are ways for us to do this now. Uh, we, can, we, can, we can put a premium on safety and put a premium on gathering for worship uh, with, with the three options and possibilities. Now, lastly, take the long view. Um, you know, the, the Jews that are still alive today might look back uh, in confidence at Isaiah 54, 7 and use this as an opportunity to praise the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, where Isaiah says, no weapon fashioned against God's people will stand. Uh, and, uh, you know, Christians have a New Testament equivalent as well uh, in Philippians 1, 6, where the Apostle Paul writes from prison under persecution of all places, I am confident of this, that the God who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete that work until the day of Christ Jesus. You may take a licking, but God's going to ensure that you get to the finish line. You can trust the future because God holds the future. Now, I can't think of a whole lot of times in my life where that reality that I can trust the future, that, that I can trust that I and, and those who, you know, who I love, who love Christ, uh, will be standing, will be there, will have triumphed. Uh, you know, that, 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 that line from the song in Hamilton, those of you who've watched Hamilton, where it says, Ocean ri oceans rise and empires fall. That brings memory of, of, of how the superpower uh, Pharaoh's Egypt collapsed, Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon collapsed, Tiglath-Pileser's Assyria collapsed, Nero's Rome collapsed because of God. Not because Christians were powerful, but because God is a great God and God answers imprecatory prayers. He eventually does put down the bully. He eventually does put down the, 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 the oppressor and he always preserves, especially in the ultimate long-term sense, his beloved children. This brings great comfort to me uh, because I know that my mother has probably forgotten most of what she knew of her, uh, of her simple, sweet faith uh, in Jesus. Uh, and uh, I get great comfort, especially from a story told about James and Rita Houston. James and Rita are, you know, you know have been leaders, Christian leaders, and, uh, and Rita came down with Alzheimer's like my mother. And uh, the one thing that she kept expressing to James was her fear that she would forget Jesus. And what James kept reminding her is that even if you forget Jesus, Jesus will never forget you. And because Jesus will never forget you, there's going to come a time uh, in the new heaven and the new earth, God's future, the long view, where you will be more lucid than you've ever been, where you will be more alive, you will be more awake, alert, attentive, fully there than you've ever been before, because Jesus will never forget you. I take comfort in that. Uh, we can take comfort in that in whatever trials that we are made to endure because God will carry us through to the end. Our participation in that is to uh, engage in the flourishing practices. And for us during a COVID season, that means doing the very best we can to safely get ourselves up that mountain to the temple of God with the people of God for the worship of God and insisting that the rest of our lives submit to that central organizing reality. I hope you're with me in this. I love the church and I love you and I love Jesus. 
And I'm glad that I get to love Jesus and the church together with you. And I cannot wait until we can fill our sanctuaries completely again. Uh, but until then, whatever, you know, your option that gets you most in community and, and keeps you safe, uh, you know, we, we ask that you stay fully engaged regardless of, of, of what your particular circumstances, is, circumstances are. I love you. Thanks for listening. I know, again, this is weird. Thank you for, thank you for hanging in there with a video sermon today. Uh, and uh, I look forward to being with you in person, hopefully soon, God willing. Grace and peace. Love you, Christ Prez.